think there's not one particular. This is Who Rules America documentary by This Is Now. No, then, uh, no. Film is now. Interest in Washington in particular. But I think there's a bubbling movement from the ground up as well that's happening. Is there a ruling class in America or is that an outdated concept? No, I'm a strong believer that there's a there's a class in particular in particular in New York City where but I don't think it's they're not hidden away in some room with nefarious deeds in mind. It's it's more it's more structural. There's certain clubs they go to, there's certain streets they live on. They're interacting with one another more. We put that question to Erin Crowell, a 30-year-old working-class mother from a small town in Wisconsin who is working two jobs while pursuing her education. If I was to ask you, like, who runs America? Who rules America? What, what is your, you know, what, what is your perception of that? People that have the money to do so, you know. Um, you know, people that, that, that have the money and the the resources to send a lobbyist to Washington, you know, like nobody from my town could afford to send a lobbyist, you know, and say, hey, Harley Davidson is, you know, threatening the, to move their plants to China unless, you know, everybody takes pay cuts, you know, and could literally shut our town down, you know. We can't afford to defend ourselves. Do you feel as an American citizen, that you have power in our, in our country? Do you feel as if you have the ability to get your dream achieved? I feel like it's slipping away. Um, I don't think I do, you know, because it feels like the closer and closer I would get to that, you know, like just a dream for me is to finish college you know, and take care of myself and take care of my son, you know, but even that now, you know, and, and, and I understand like most, a lot of people in my position are need Who rules America? Question mark. Documentary by film is now YouTube channel exclamation point. Able to get that far now. So if the citizens who are supposed to be in charge don't feel they are, who does? What we found is that by and large it's the wealthiest Americans who call the shots through unelected institutions that drive agendas in their own interests. There may be a cabal running things, but in the end, the state and the system merges, argues Canadian political analyst Leo Panitch. I don't think there's an external force controlling the American state. The American state is capitalist to its core in the very way it's organized. It doesn't do it because there's too much influence from Wall Street. It does it because it is structurally embedded with Wall Street. It doesn't do it because there's too much influence from a military-industrial complex. It does it because the military-industrial complex is inside the state, is funded by the state, is part of the state. Sure, there. A little bit, um, actually. Well, well. How the internet was stolen. Actually, sure, there are people who conspire and there's people who act. Ooh, 
streamed one hour ago. Trump melts down his subpoena supply in Georgia report accepts the release. Nice. A Fulton County, Georgia judge released three portions of the special grand jury report relating to their criminal investigation into 2020 election conduct. The judge did not release the rest of the report and specifically any portion of the report that mentioned the names of individuals who the special grand jury recommended be indicted for election interference to protect the due process rights of those names. Like the fascist, gaslighting, criminal maniac that he is, Donald Trump then falsely claimed that this somehow exonerated him. In other news regarding lying cowards, Mike Pence is on another self-flagellation tour with Mother, proclaiming he is going to fight the special counsel, Jack Smith's subpoena of him into 2020 election interference because Pence believes that he really wasn't the vice president. He was the president of the Senate, so he was a senator. And he has this deep reverence for the speech and debate clause of the United States Constitution. And you see, that prevents him from telling the truth about what happened on January 6th. You see, you see, folks, that's what's going on here. But undeterred, we learned that special counsel Jack Smith subpoenaed Mark Meadows back in January. It's not clear if Mark Meadows is cooperating and the subpoena is cover or if Mark Meadows will have to show up before the grand jury kicking and screaming like the fascist traitor that he is. President Biden, meanwhile, remains on the offense against MAGA Republicans who want to cut your Social Security and cut your Medicare. President Biden continues his tour across the country discussing his administration's achievements and how he wants to protect your rights, and highlighting the radical and disastrous anti-American policies of MAGA Republicans. MAGA Republicans like George Santos, the face of the MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives, who had to barricade himself in his local district office today as he refused to speak with his constituents from Long Island Uh who want him to resign like the rest of the nation. He hasn't even changed, by the way, the name from the former congressman who occupied that office. That is how incompetent these MAGA Republican is. Here's the thing. Today, Republicans, there's no shame at all because they're modeled after their cult leader, Donald Trump, right? There are no depths to their sick, fascist depravity, right? The lower, more QAnon-esque you go, the more Donald Trump likes you, which is the only currency, apparently, of the deranged MAGA Republican bunch. Speaking of no shame, Nikki Haley announced she was running for the Republican nomination for president, which she will absolutely never win. But nonetheless, the (laughs) MAGA Republican Civil War for 2024 starts to really heat up. So buckle up, even if Nikki Haley opposes seatbelt laws. This is the (laughs) Midas Touch podcast. I love that you guys don't see the script that I do before, but you are authentically laughing. I love it. I try to make it. 
I try to go, what would the mighty love and how do I make Brett and Jordy laugh when I do the intro? No, it's a work of art, Ben, and I got to commend you for it. Throwing in things like self-flagellation just to throw us off before the show starts. But the perfect description, the perfect description of these mag... Ben is whipping himself. Ben just actually got oh, an injury ben, live, ben on, the hurt show. Himself. live wow. on the show. Ben just hurt his wrist, everybody. You saw it here. <laughs> self-flagellating. That's what happens. Self-flagellating. That's what I have happened. not self-flagellated in quite some time. <laughs> it's been at least 24 hours, Ben. It's, it's been, been at least 24 hours uh, since but my it's last like flagellation. These MAGA Republicans can't go more than 60 seconds without self-flagellating it, so it seems. And just day by day, the lies get more and more brazen, more pathetic. And it really makes you put kind of George Santos in a different perspective as like, um, is he really that different than the rest of them? Or is the entire party just different versions of George Santos mm. being led by the biggest George Sam. Santos of them all? Donald J. Trump. Maybe the J in Donald Trump's mind stands for George. I think we could probably Ooh. assume that for uh, for that Trump maybe maybe he thinks that. He doesn't really know what J stands for is, is the joke there, Jordy. Um, but yeah, the crazy joke. times, lots of self-flagellation. Jordy, how are you doing? You flagellating or what? <laughs> flagellating left and right these days. <laughs> I saw it right before Jordy flagellated all morning. It was crazy. It was too much flagellation. It shows up quite the, I, shows up I, quite the start. I, I need a shower after the show. That's how much I've been flagellating lately. <laughs> That's great. Well, how, how are you doing otherwise, Jay? No, I'm doing really well. I really like flagellating. It's fantastic. No, I'm doing good. I'm excited. I'm excited for today's show. I just want to let our audience know, too. So when people leave comments in the in the YouTube chat right now and then also the YouTube comments after yeah. the show... That's really me responding because I have a picture that doesn't have my photo that I use on my on my on my phone, and then I have a one that I use on the computer. And so I've noticed some people responding that, "Hey, this is a fake Jordan. I'm gonna okay, block you. Don't block you know me. Okay, me. but let me let me know why. Also, let me let me tell everybody why. And why? this is a warning to all the Midas Mighty out there yeah. who go to our YouTube channel. There yeah. is a fake Ben, and Ben never comments Ooh. from his name. There is a fake Ben. There are fake accounts that call themselves Midas Touch, and if you click on them, you will see they have like zero subscribers or five subscribers, and they will tell you to text them at a certain number on WhatsApp. Or we will they never will tell, tell you to text. Them. We will Send never tell you to text us on a WhatsApp. Ever. And if, if you hear anything, you will hear it from us here on the show. Do not fall for it because these people are YouTube scammers. They're out there. We've reported hundreds and hundreds of these accounts at this point. But unfortunately, there are people out there who are getting scammed by people pretending to be Ben, pretending to be Midas Touch. So be vigilant. Be on the lookout. We will never ask you for that. But yes, when you see Jordy responding with his little Me. cute remarks and cute quips or whatever, that's Very him. Rare. But like you said, we will never ask you to text no. a WhatsApp to use a Telegram. None oh, of that. Ben, ben, could, ben couldn't use any of those apps if he wanted to. Ben is great at making YouTube videos. That is his specialty. Anything above that is, is way too technological for the big bro. Okay, off to a nice little insult there. Let's <laughs> go into the... Let's go into, we're talking about scammers. That's a good segue into Donald Trump and his scam and gaslighting and disinformation. So let's talk about what happened today, right? So earlier in the week, we talked about how Judge Robert McBurney was going to release three portions of the Fulton County Special Grand Jury Report. This would be the introduction, the conclusion, 
and Section 8. Section 8 just basically said that the special grand jury believed certain witnesses had lied under oath and that they should be criminally prosecuted for perjury, but it didn't list the names of those individuals. For those watching right now, this is Section 8 that was released. So these were not the important parts of the report. The important parts remain under seal. They remain redacted. They remain shielded from the public view because Judge McBurney balanced the desire for public disclosure, which was important, against the due process rights and concerns for individuals who may be mentioned in the report, who the special grand jury may have recommended be indicted, including some individuals, and this was mentioned in McBurney's order, who did not appear before the special grand jury, for example, someone like Donald Trump, who's not specifically mentioned by name, but someone who did not appear before the grand jury. So Judge McBurney wanted to protect the due process rights, as did the district attorney, as did Fawny Willis. She was the one who recommended as well. In oh, shit. Whoops. the wrong button. Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry. Indictments are imminent. Do not release the names because what could happen is that once we secure a conviction, somebody could go back and say, my due process rights were violated because the name was released before the indictment came out. That prejudiced and tainted these whole proceedings overturn my conviction as much as we all would like to see those names right now i think we all don't want the procedure to have any appearances of taint that could then make this overturned at a later time we all want the process and procedure to proceed according to the way it's supposed to without any kind of distractions and without people later saying they're going to try to overturn the convictions. So that those three portions were released today. So I guess if you want to say, was there any new intriguing data that came in here? Well, we know that this uh, panel, this special grand jury, which was comprised of 26 individuals, three of those were alternates, all unanimously held that there was no fraud capable of overturning the results of the 2020 election. That's a specific finding that was released publicly today, and it was found unanimously. So all 23 or all 26 looked at it and said the following. The grand jury heard extensive testimony on the subject of alleged election fraud from poll workers, investigators, technical experts, and state of Georgia employees and officials, as well as from persons still claiming that such fraud took place, probably referring to Giuliani. We find by a unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election. So that was a finding made by the special grand jury, which basically calls Donald Trump a liar. And we all agree objectively that that is what this special grand jury, you know, ruled. So before then turning to what Donald Trump wrote, 
or what Donald Trump's response to this was. Brett and Jordy, from your perspective, as, this isn't an insult, but as non-lay lay persons, what was lay your people. reaction to the, as lay people, what, what, what was your reaction other than flagellating yourself? <laughs> yeah, well, first off, I think we have an alternate title for this episode, which is something like self-flagellation, <laughs> uh, taint, and massive dumps. <laughs> Um, which can sum up no all, one will, all that no one will download that so we will just, that'll be that, our that, that, won't, that won't be a that won't be a popular uh, title okay I see <laughs> but no I mean you know today I wasn't super shocked by anything we saw because Judge McBurney basically laid out exactly what we were going to see today none of it was actually a surprise and even that conclusion that they came to that okay so now we're finding out that we, we we're conclusive on this we're 100% sure there was no fraud in the 2020 election in Georgia. Same time, I'm like, great, great to see that on paper. On the other hand, I'm also like, well, duh. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah. we freaking knew that already. Like, we all knew that. I'm glad you, you figured that out. But this is still important in the fact-finding process and in the eventual indictments. And so we have now, they, they heard, I believe it was like 75 witnesses. 75 people came in there. And you had people like John Eastman, Lindsey Graham, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Flynn, and others testifying in this case. And we also learned that big piece of information, which once again, we had learned days prior from Judge McBurney, that there is evidence that there were witnesses who, at least one, or maybe more, who likely perjured themselves. So that right there is a big deal. We truthfully, we just don't know what's in the rest. We don't know what the rest of the testimony is, but that's a big deal right there. But in terms of learning a lot from this specific, these small portions that were released, I don't think we've learned all that much today. I think we basically learned it all when Judge McBurney laid out the grounds for releasing portions. And today was just confirmation of exactly what he told us was coming. Absolutely. It was sort of a no duh kind of moment there where we all knew this. I think it's fantastic for the historical context of this because you know, we're living through this right now, but I want to make sure my grandkids know. I want to make sure they, they, they truly understand, you know, and their grandkids understand just how crazy of a time this was. So to have it formally now through the courts that they're basically calling him a fraudster there, I, I really appreciate it. And can we just also just appreciate the name McBurney? You guys feel it's the McBurn? I like that. Let's make that a thing. And there's weekend at McBurney's. I mean, not really. I mean, they're saying that there are some witnesses who committed perjury. We don't know who those witnesses are, but I guess to, to the point of your legal analysis, I'll rehabilitate it slightly, that they were calling some individuals, <laughs> they were calling some individuals fraudsters there, although we don't know the, the individual's names. Um, I do want to mention, though, that what we do know in the other pages that we don't have yet, this was an eight-page report, was that there were recommendations on indictment. And how do we know that? Because on page one of the report, though, it also says following is the final report on the special purpose grand jury. We set forth for the court our recommendations on indictments and relevant statutes, including the votes by the grand jurors. This includes the votes respective to each topic indicated. The total number of grand jurors who placed a vote on each topic has been indicated on each section. Um, and so there are recommendations for indictments, and we do know as well that to be the case, because if there weren't, 
those sections would be released publicly. It's yeah. to protect the due process. So all of that shows... Iro ironically, to protect people potentially like Donald Trump. And we should just be very clear that in terms of this, Donald Trump was not named, and that's for a reason, as Ben explained. And it's important that we don't bend the truth also. And like, like I saw so many people today take that comment that yeah. there are indictments that are you know recommended by the report and then start tweeting out or making memes about the Georgia Fulton, the Fulton County DA just recommended indictments for Trump. No, she didn't. And that the special grand jury, that didn't happen. I don't know wh what that serves. I don't know what it helps. I'm going to be respectful right now, like uh, President Biden at the State of the Union and not name names. But I saw plenty of accounts out there trying to hype news that isn't fake. But there is good news in here. So it's like, why even bother? Why stretch the truth when there is good news? I By the way, there could be in the yeah. pages. There, there likely is. If you want to follow the data, you can say that it indicates that there could be a possible recommendation for an indictment Absolutely. of Donald Trump. Remember, the special grand jury does not have the power to indict. They have the power to recommend indictments to another grand jury that would actually have the power to indict. So there could probably be in here a recommendation to indict Donald Trump, including others, but we don't know that to be the case. But we do know that the names of Trump and others, to the extent they're listed in here, the due process concerns to protect their identities at this phase is the reason that we don't know to protect the due process rights, Brett. And Judge McBurney, as Ben said, just to reiterate the point, said that this is, quote, especially true for people who didn't even have the chance to appear before the grand jury. So you could one can surmise that, oh, they got all of these people to appear before the grand jury, high level people. There was one noticeable absence <laughs> who did not appear before the grand jury, one Donald George Santos Trump. Who? <laughs> it's nice. called callback, Jordy. It's called Good. callback. It's a callback right there. Yeah. It's and, a callback, so, but the J and the G, I lost. I, I lost track of that joke. Just if I'm being well, the, the joke right. is, I think Donald J. I think Trump once said, or it's been a, an ongoing joke that the J, Donald J. Trump, and the J stands for genius. Is uh, something that? Mm. <laughs> wow, that's that's a real callback. Wow, okay. Because <laughs> if you saw my face when and my face as well, Ben, and my I was face like, as well, I was like the J and the I said, G. Why? I don't understand it. I don't. The people are with me. The, the commenters, they know. They know. Listen, this is a my friends right here are much smarter than myself. They're, 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 they're up on it, you know. And I was reading the <laughs> Washington Post article about this and i immediately sent this portion to the brothers when i read it because i found this it, it was that i said just show off you just read oh, i was reading and i just read articles oh, i know reading. Really well. but this washington post article <laughs> it, it was like, talking about the the release of the fulton county special grand jury report and it stated last month trump's georgia-based legal team implied in a statement that there had been no formal contact between the former president and his legal team and Fulton County prosecutors. We have never been a part of this process, the attorney said. Now, this is the part that I found a little interesting, just kind of buried in there. But they did not respond when asked whether Trump had been given notice that he is a target of the investigation. I found that very fascinating because I feel like 
they would brush that off right away if it was absolutely not happening. So I, I think it's interesting. And I think the Washington Post, I think they included that aspect in there on purpose. And I think it was just an interesting nugget that I think if you were just reading that quickly or skimming it, you may not have picked up on. But I found that to be a unique little piece of information. So here's the thing. Donald Trump's response on his social media platform um, with the ridiculous uh, avatar face where he desecrates the American flag. This is the one where he goes, thank you to the special grand jury in the great state of Georgia for your patriotism and courage. Total exoneration. The USA is very proud of you. I, you can't get more disinfo, gaslighting, weird than that. It's the exact opposite. And here's the thing, to the point that you made. The names of those who the special grand jury recommended be criminally indicted was to protect the due process rights of people, potentially like Donald Trump people who want to destroy the United States Constitution, but who then use and abuse the due process protections they are afforded in our Constitution to then spread disinformation. Let me tell you the tactic here, though, that Donald Trump wants to do. What he wants to do is basically uh, try to get Fawny Willis or the judge or someone to basically come, he's trying to bait someone because he Trump wants to play the victim, right? So mm -hmm. he wants some leak to come out. Maybe it's from one of the members of the special grand jury, but he wants someone to basically say that's not true. He's in the report, right? That's what he's actually trying to mm -hmm. manufacture. So then that he can then go, my due process rights were violated. I can't be convicted. Overturn it. So that is the setup. I, I want to be clear. Part of it is spreading disinformation. Sure. Part of it is that. The other part of it is a tactical move. Mm. And you have to really get into the mind of somebody like that. With my experience as a civil litigator, as someone who's dealt with those types of personalities before, I know what he's trying to do right there. He wants to bait a statement to then invoke the due process protections that protected likely his name from being released to then claim he's being treated unfair. That's it's a going. really, it's there's a someone really, there in your room, Brett. I see you like, you're like, you're, like, you're looking, you're smiling. Is there like a party going on? What's going on there? What's going there, on was there, someone wand, there was someone wandering around my yard. And so I was trying to figure out what the heck was happening. Hmm. Sounds um, Did you solve that? Yeah. Right, you solved the yeah. Feels like something uh, think, you should figure I out. Think, I think I, I think I got it under control. Can I um, tell you what the J in Donald J. Trump stands for? Actually, it stands for Jagoff is what it stands for. Oh, bring about that Pittsburgh swag yeah. there, Jordan. Oh, you got it. Got to got, got love it. I, you know, I think that, you know, I think that's a really unique, interesting, and well-informed perspective by you, Ben. Um, because, well, you know, one of the things I was thinking of also is he wants to kind of muddy the waters and say, look, they exonerated me. And then if there are charges, he gets to go, you can't reverse course. How dare you try to reverse course? But it's also just the tactic that he's done, like with everything. Right? Like, like you said, he takes advantage of the way that systems work. He takes advantage of flaws in institutions and even the way institutions are designed to protect people and to protect guilty mm -hmm. people, innocent people, you name it. He pinpoints those point, those pressure points, and he pushes as hard as he can in them. So in this case, 
he knows that they cannot release the names, that they've decided that for due process reasons. So he's using that to claim total exoneration. And we've seen this time and time again from Trump on nearly every issue. I mean, we've seen it both from him and we've seen it from his henchmen, like people like former Attorney General Bill Barr, who really took on this role for himself with the Mueller report and released a report claiming that, you know, misrepresenting the entire report, claiming that Trump was exonerated. Trump claimed he was exonerated. They did this big PR push. And guess what? The report actually never said that whatsoever. But at that time, he was able to set the stage publicly, which a lot of news networks shamefully ran with. And of course, the Trump cult ran with. And then by the time the actual Mueller report was released, people were like, oh, no, they kind of found some serious, serious issues here that were at play. But Trump had already set the stage at that point. So you have now you have Trump trying to do the same thing, kind of being his own henchman, his own bill bar trying to spread this disinfo. And it's just so, it's so pathetic. The lies are so egregious. I mean, like I said before, this is just as bad or worse than anything George Santos has said. I mean, this is some yeah. real brazen, uh, just atrocious lying. And anybody who goes along with it should just feel ashamed, just absolutely ashamed of themselves. I mean, give me sure, a George. And ben, ben, let me talk more about that tactic that you so artfully detailed right there. I, I, think, this, I think this tactic that Trump is doing would have worked for him say, in 2016 or 2018 or even 2019. But just like the Republican Party, how their playbook is just so overplayed, everyone knows what they're going to go to. Everyone knows their next move. I think that's the same thing directly with Donald Trump and how he reacts to these situations. Right now, everybody knows he's going to go to his true social platform and put out some ridiculous, crazy rant. doesn't make it any better, but at least we know how to deal with the toddler-in-chief or the former toddler-in-chief. I'll say this. We do. The, the we being the pro-democracy community, the Midas mighty. But do you think if you turned on, I won't name drop right now, large media networks, do you think they're saying what we just said? Do you think they're showing Trump's post? Absolutely or do not. You, no. or, or do, you, and do you think that they're giving this context? I'm sorry, I just, I, I don't think that. So it's, we are the change. Right. And I don't mean we like us three. I mean, we, the pro-democracy community. Yes. You watching this. We are the ways to Jordy, to your point, to say you, you are not fooling us anymore. We're, we're not being gaslit here. And when we talk about gaslighting in a little bit with former Vice President Pence and his statements, this is so unprecedented. I would never want a separation of powers. I, you know, when I see Pence now, I think he's doing, I, I think you do a better Pence than Pence even does now. Or he's trying to imitate your impression of himself. I, I'm going to do some, everybody, I'm going to, I'm taking out, I'm self-flagellating. Let's go. I'm about to, Let's go. I'm about to take out a double whip and I'm about to flagellate like crazy. But I want to show you this, Don, I want to show you this other part that Donald Trump wrote that was part of his statement. He goes, the long-awaited important sections of the Georgia report, which do not even mention President Trump's names, have nothing to do with the president because President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong. The president participated in two perfect phone calls regarding election integrity in Georgia, which he is entitled to do. In fact, as president, it was President Trump's constitutional duty to ensure election safety, security, and integrity between the two calls. There were many officials and attorneys on the line, including the Secretary of State of Georgia, and no one objected, even slightly protested or hung up. President Trump will always keep fighting for true and honest elections in America. First off, you're not the president. Okay, You're not President Trump. 
You are the former guy who was a freaking fascist traitor who almost completely destroyed our country. But while you were there during that time period, you humiliated our nation and will forever be a, a dis total disgrace. Yes, I, was, I do this when I do like No, you're doing great. You're doing fabulous. Yeah. But what, what's with that sign off there? It is the bar for a good call that nobody hung up on you during the call. And also because <laughs> he had said that, I guarantee they probably hung up on him during the call. Like, like well, we, we, we heard the call. So we heard the call. But you get a call from a, a president at the time who's extorting you and basically yeah. saying, find me the 11,800 votes, Brad. Brad, or I'm going to, bad things are going to happen to you. You know, Brad on the call is basically like WTF, right? Raffensperger's like, um, what are you talking about? Like, there is no election fraud. We, and also, we, we, somebody found it effed up enough that they decided to tape the call but to clarify that that's kind of what i mean like who knows like if there are other calls that could have potentially happened that weren't you know recorded because uh, sure there could, there could, of, there could be other it. ones so, I, I, I like your point person. though jordy i think you're, you're but the point that i think it's like okay so the only way your call in your mind would be unlawful is if they hung up on yeah, you yeah. because you know all he does is hang up the phone on people like he's a maniac yeah he doesn't again there's no depths to his depravity and so he's like they didn't hang up on me so they must have liked it you, you wanted that because you didn't hang up you know and and then he goes the long-awaited important sections like again every statement everything is a lie these were not the important sections you know so it's just a constant stream of lies, Kim Jong-un, Putin-esque. But you have to give the context that we gave, though, here for you to understand that, Brett, I know you got a point. I'm ready for my Pence imitations. So what's, what's, what, what you got? Oh, it's not a big point. It's just like we, it's become so normalized that we gloss over the fact that he refers to himself as the third person and everything. <laughs> President Trump, Trump did this. It's a weird, like, imagine if I went around all day being like, and Brett Mycellus says, I think you'd be like, dude, that's a little weird. Let's reel it in a little bit. Let's reel it back. We're getting a little odd. As, as I said on, as I said with Cohen on our new podcast, Political Beatdown, by the way, everybody subscribe to the Political Beatdown search wherever you get it with audio of Mike Cohen. I said, look, what we have to stop doing is gaslighting ourselves mm -hmm. that this is not weird. Like, yes. we, we, like yes. we can't, like, when, when you see what we're about to talk about with Pence, we have to say, look, that's traitorous, that's despicable, but we also have to, honestly, we have to say it. Like, these MAGA Republicans are weird. They are weirdos. They are strange people. They are not normal. And, and and it is it is they are bizarre people and and they are criminals too they are fascists there's all of that but we have to also be like these are bad people these are weirdos they do weird stuff they they're like George Sanders they they do despicable stuff and you're gonna see right now with my impression that I'm about to do a former Vice President Pence how he plans to say that because he is a uh, well okay first let's do this quick ad break for jordan then you'll see my former vice president prince pence impression play, play play this i'll be right back in a moment our next partner is ag1 by athletic greens now i take ag1 by athletic greens literally every day i gave ag1 a try because i wanted better gut health boosted energy immune system support and i hated taking pills and vitamins and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great I take AG1 in the morning before working out, and it makes me feel incredible and just ready to take on my day. 
When I take AG1, I know I'm doing something good for my body, like giving my body the nutrition that it craves and covering my nutritional basis. I've tried a ton of different supplements out there, but this is different and the ingredients are super high quality. I got started with AG1 because I used to take all these different pills and gummies and frankly what I was taking was expensive and I didn't even know if it was good for me. But with AG1 by Athletic Greens, I know that what I'm consuming has the best ingredients and also tastes delicious. AG1 makes it easier for you to take the highest quality supplements, period. When I started my AG1 journey, very quickly I noticed that it helps me with, you know, improved overall digestion, my energy levels were up, and just overall I was feeling great. It's just one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day, and it's a seamless and easy daily habit to maintain. The Midas Mighty asks me all the time, Jordy, how do you have so much energy to do these ad reads? Well, if I could only pick one thing, it's AG1 by Athletic Greens. Just one daily serving covers my day's nutritional basis and supports my long-term gut health with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. I can't think of another daily routine that pays off as well as AG1, which is why I trust the product so much. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Midas. That's athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Check it out. And now, back to the video. So, so, so you see... Well, you, you want to? I was, I was, I was about to get into it. Brett. I know. Never. Yeah. I was, Brett Micellis approves of that ad. Uh, Jordy. Brett yeah, Micellis approves. Approves. So ben. Mike Pence. What do you have to say? So, you, so, so you see, <laughs> I am first and foremost a Christian. Second, I'm a conservative, and third, I'm a Republican. So, no matter what you do. To me, you want to kill me, you want to behead me, you want to behead my family. Once, once I know you are a Republican, I'm going to campaign for you. Just, just say you're a Republican. My Christian faith is <laughs> such, is such that I, I, I'm going to have to support that because there are bigger things. And the stakes couldn't be higher. You know, I mean, he says things, he says things like that, you know, and then, and then today, you know, when, you know, when he's talking about, you know, objecting to how he's going to fight, how he's going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have to fight this thing. Okay. <laughs> because, I like what you do with your lips. The lips, are, the, li the lips make the impression. Because this is truly an unprecedented situation that in our democracy, we would have somebody gets subpoenaed to have to testify about an insurrection. A former vice president who was the target of an assassination attempt. You, you do realize how important the separation of powers is. Okay, so, so let's do this. For, 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 th thank you. So, so first, let's play, let's play former Vice President Pence today, though. When he's asked by a reporter, by the way, I like that the reporter kept on asking the question. Okay, basically, you have this whole BS thing about separation of powers. You claim the speech and debate clause, which protects senators and Congress members from having to testify about legitimate legislative activity that they say on the House floor and natural extensions of the House floor, 
So because you claim that in your ceremonial role as the president of the Senate, that you are basically a senator right now, what? So this is what he said today to the reporter, where the reporter says, so, okay, then why don't you just voluntarily show up? Like, you've written books about this. Like, why not just do it under oath? Watch Ben Mycellus. I mean, <laughs> is, is this the Von Hilliard one or is this the other one? The one from today, the one where he goes, uh, yeah, Von Hilliard. If your legal challenge holds up, you would still have the opportunity to voluntarily go and testify to the Department of Justice. And when we're talking about serious allegations of potential, uh, an effort to defraud the U.S. government and overturn a presidential election, why is your testimony yeah, looks just like ben uh, not face. compelling to the Department of Justice, but also to this country? Wait for the list. Well, I think, I think uh, the issue here is whether or not a vice president who served as president of the Senate should be subject to a subpoena to appear in court. But would you voluntarily? The Justice Department has insisted. The Justice Department has insisted on that and on reserving that right in the event this were a matter that would go to trial. And uh, we just simply made it clear to them we think it is not only unprecedented, but it's unconstitutional. And so we'll. Uh, uh, would you be open to volunteer? But I will tell you, look, I've, as I've said, I've written extensively about this. I've spoken extensively. Uh, it's different than justice, Well, no, the Justice Department has uh, uh, been involved in an extensive fact-finding effort. And um, uh, in, in my judgment, uh, this principle of separation of powers is that important. If, if we were to accede to accept a subpoena for appearance, before a grand jury or in trial, I believe that would diminish the privileges enjoyed by any future vice president, be that Democrat or Republican. And I, I simply will not do that. The Constitution is a—it's—it's it's the foundation and the bedrock of not just our government, but in so many ways, it's, it's, it is the foundation of the republic. And and in every sense, I think we've got to, as I did on January 6, I stood on principle, disappointing many people on the right. Uh, I, I will stand on this principle of the separation of powers enshrined in the Constitution itself. Well, in my judgment, the principle of separation of powers is just that important. I may have disappointed many members of the right, you know, people who are conservative, who don't want to conserve our Constitution, the, the, the people who wanted to kill me, I, I, may have, I may have made them slightly perturbed that I would follow the law and not engage in the coup. They're slightly disappointed with my conduct. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to them. But the foundational principle here, embedded in the Constitution, is such that what precedent would this? Be? How about the precedent where someone tries to overthrow our democracy? that you testify so that our democracy can be preserved, that the Constitution uh, can continue to exist here. I just got to show you. Here's the other clip where he does this routine where they're like, they ask him, they ask him like when he's going to sell his book, they're like, so why are you supporting people who like wanted to kill you? Like they wanted to kill you. And then he does the, I'm a Christian. I'm a uh, conservative. And third, I am a Republican. It's like, okay, he didn't say you're an American because your behavior is anti-American. Here, play this clip. Talking about the 2022 election, and I think that your analysis 
uh, is one that is, is generally accurate, that the candidates who were hung up on the election lies of 2020, uh, of 2020 um, did not fare as well in 2022 as the ones who stepped forward and, and, and talked about the future. I was, and I know you know Look better at than this anyone guy. in a bad way what those election lies can mean in terms of crowds being What's he looking at? I was surprised to see you campaigning for Don Baldick in New Hampshire and Blake Masters in Arizona, who were two people who lied about the election, who defeated, one could say, one could argue, better candidates in the Republican primaries, uh, who were future-leaning candidates. Um, why, did you, why did you endorse them? Why did you support them? Why did you campaign for them? Well, you know, I've often said I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. But I'm a Republican. And once Republican primary voters had chosen their nominees, I went out and traveled to 35 states over the last year and a half to see if we could elect a Republican majority in the House and Senate, elect Republican governors all across the country. It didn't mean, as it hasn't meant in the past, that I agree with every statement or every position candidates that I'm supporting in the Republican Party have taken. Uh, but, uh, but I was pleased to do it. And... Uh, they're idiots like that. Like we need to look at that and not just say that's wrong, which right. it is. We also need to be like, what the hell was that? Like, that is weird. Like, like you are a weird man, Pence. Like, get away from anything that has anything to do with me, my family yeah. and my community, because y'all are a bunch of lunatics. Get the hell away from my family, please. You sickos. Sickos. He's another actor. You could see how rehearsed his lines oh, are, how say that. his so movements true. are with his pointing and his looks and his stares. Like It's all so artificial. I'll tell you, Mike Pence, something that maybe Mother is, is too afraid to tell you. You will never be president. You will never, never be president, and you are not a hero. Stop trying to position yourself as some sort of hero. You did the bare minimum. You did your ministerial duty on that day. Nothing more, nothing less. And I could guarantee, had it been easier for Mike Pence to do the wrong thing in this case, he would have chosen to do the wrong thing. I think if he saw a pathway to actually keeping Donald Trump in office, he would have kept Donald Trump in office. Mike Pence is no hero here. And, oh, this is unprecedented. Uh, yeah, it's unprecedented for a president of the United States to try to orchestrate a coup against the United States to overthrow the government. That is what is unprecedented. And the nerve of this guy to try to use the Constitution, to try to act like he's being faithful to the Constitution by not helping put away somebody who was involved, who orchestrated a coup against the United States, that's what they always do too. They use something, they use American iconography, they use American yep. symbolism, they use yep. the Constitution, the mm -hmm. founders, Bye. whatever it is. They use it all and they weaponize it for things that are the most anti-American things possible. And that is such a disgrace. And Pence, of course, has been trying to have it every which way, at every stage of the game. He gave the January 6th committee a hard time, refused to testify. And at that time, he was firmly in the executive branch. At that point, it was executive privilege, executive privilege. Now the DOJ comes and knocking, and he knows damn well, because it's been proven time and time and again in court, that those executive privilege arguments are not going to hold water. They're not going to hold mm -hmm. up one bit. Mm -hmm. So he switches. He goes, actually, I'm part of the Senate. Actually, 
speech and debate clause, speech and debate clause. First of all, even if you narrow down on the speech and debate clause, I got to admit, it's an interesting argument to make, like legally. Never been made before. It's an interesting argument to put forward. I will give him that. He found an interesting argument. But the speech and debate clause pretty specifically refers to senators and representatives. And even if you get past that, it also notes exceptions to it, which may not be as easy uh, from the uh, executive privilege exceptions, the crime fraud exception, but it does note exceptions for, uh, they list treason, felony, breach of the peace. And you could kind of argue that this is kind of involving all three of those things. And if not all three, at least one or two of them. And so I don't see how he has any leg to stand on here. And here's the thing, Brett, just, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll toss it to Jordy in a second. Just so that the doctrine, there was a case called U.S. versus Gravel, a, a former senator, uh, talking about the extension of the speech and debate clause. It also does apply to legislative aides and people who work for members of Congress and members of the Senate. But what Gravel, with the Gravel case in the United States Supreme Court, says it has to be legitimate legislative activity. And so you may remember our analysis that we did about Lindsey Graham, who tried to use the speech and debate clause not to appear before the Fulton County grand jury. You see how the episode kind of comes full circle. And there he was allowed to be questioned on subjects that were not legitimate legislative activity. So statements that were made to the press. And so, for example, here, if I'm Jack Smith, I'm saying, look, I'm going to question Pence on things he wrote in the book. I think Jack Smith's team is smarter than me, and they know that. But in case they don't, that's one of that's that's one of the exceptions in Gravel statements made to the press. So I'd say we're just going to question you on statements made in the book. Other things like mm. crimes and criminality and, and and campaigning. So I would just say, look, you may have truthfully, you may have an argument, Pence, even though you shouldn't that on January 6th itself, for the time you were presiding in your ceremonial role, that that may be covered. But everything else regarding election interference should not be covered. That's probably, if I was on Jack Smith's team, one of the arguments I would make, even if you found it applies, it applies to this narrow piece of time when he's acting in that capacity. But otherwise, it doesn't. And then in any event, I would then argue that the statements to the press that he's made, and he admits that he made, is not covered at all by the speech and debate clause per the Gravel case. Ben, that was awesome, man. So a few things, a couple things here. Uh, Going to be way less educational for our audience than Ben's beautiful breakdown right there. Uh, do you guys remember Vembots from Austin Powers? So Mike Pence is like a, a fascist robot. The man's moves are so mechanical and bizarre. And I'm talking about specifically here. Well, both clips were quite weird, truly. But the Tapper clip specifically, I hope that our, our audio audience could actually go to the YouTube and, and watch that clip live. Because to Brett's point, he's an actor trying to hit his marks. But he's like a second delayed on everything from his finger points to his head tilt. You just know he rehearsed those lines over and over again in a mirror rather than just, you know, just being honest with the American people. And that's ultimately where all of this comes down to is just the lack of honesty. It, it's a quality and trait that just does not exist in these MAGA Republicans because all they want to do is destroy. They don't care about the country. In both of those clips, Mike Pence plugged his book 
fight. Like that is that that's awful. That that should make every American pissed off. And that and that's what we always talk about too. Like all they do, they they don't really want to lead at all. They want to be podcasters. They want to sell books. They want to do all that other stuff because they're like they're like a bunch of failed actors and actresses, right? Like they 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 all have that Kimberly Guilfoyle like you know desperately needing attention. Uh, you know, look at me, look at me, you know, watch me dance on the stage. You know, just some like weird stuff. Again, that's why it's like, I don't want to be guestlit. Like, this is weird. Don't don't treat that media as normal, like discourse. Like, we're not going to be doing that here. Okay, so just subpoena, subpoena, subpoenas. Let's talk about um, special counsel Jack Smith subpoenaing Mark Meadows. We learned that a subpoena was issued back in January for Meadows, again, we don't have much more information there. There's been some speculation. Has Meadows been cooperating or not? I think we will know soon based on Meadows' posture in response to the subpoena. Sometimes a subpoena like this will be used as cover for people who are cooperating. Let's not forget that Meadows turned over back in 2021 about 2,000 plus text messages to the January 6th committee. He then stopped cooperating. He then filed a lawsuit against the January 6th committee. He lost that lawsuit, but was able to basically run out the clock. He doesn't have a speech and debate clause uh, objection that he can make. He can try to assert and claim that Donald Trump's asserting the executive privilege. We know that before the criminal grand jury in Washington, D.C., federal judge Beryl Howell, who presides over all the criminal grand juries, she has consistently denied Donald Trump's executive privilege objections, forcing people like Pat Cipollone and Patrick Silbin and Patrick Philbin and Mark Short and Greg Jacob, all these top Trump officials, defense officials, to testify twice before the criminal grand jury because those objections were raised the first time. We know Stephen Miller later testified, and there was no executive privilege, as far as we know, challenge there. We do know, though, there are eight current actions taking place, though, before Judge Beryl Howell um, that Jack Smith is fighting. You know, the Trump world is putting up all of everything that you can imagine they are fighting. And to some extent, um, one of the problems, you know, is, is that someone who we, we talked about this earlier in the show, someone who wants to abuse the Constitution, abuse the privileges, abuse our country, a former president has a toolkit that no other American has, that they could claim all of these privileges and try to delay, delay, delay and delay. And that's what Donald Trump's doing. That's what these MAGA Republican fascists are doing. They are trying to rip to shreds our system from within because their privilege to overthrow our country is no longer safe to them anymore. So that's what's taking place. And just so you know, when you go, oh, what's Jack Smith doing? Like he's fighting all of these battles every day and undeterred, he keeps on winning these battles. But it's like, Jordy, I guess to your point with the with the bots or whatever, or you go to a Matrix example with Agent Smith, like, you know, these MAGAs, and one of the things about fascism in general, historically, is that there's a reason you call it a death cult, right? Because mm-hmm. these people don't have the same considerations that the rest of us have, right? The rest of us, we want to have dinner with our family and read books and go to movies and watch a ball game and have a hobby and like and like do things that bring us love and love people 
and feel loved, right? But not the MAGAs. What do they want to do? They want to go to cult rallies and just be freaking weirdos, right? And they are relentless. You know, they're okay with, they, they, they cheer on global pandemics because they're yeah. sickos, literally and figuratively. That's who they are. And so it's just a relentless Agent Smith style assault on democracy. So what do we do in response to that? We have to expose it. We have to call it out. We have to stay vigilant. And we have to, frankly, be supportive of very competent people like Jack Smith. One more point I want to raise, though, on the subpoena part of this episode, which is, and this is a funny one, and we'll see what happens, though. So the Proud Boys in their trial have subpoenaed Donald Trump. And there have been a number of other people in, in insurrection trials who have tried to subpoena Trump and have failed. This case is before Judge Kelly right now. There's four or five of these Proud Boys, Enrique Tario and Biggs, and a bunch of others who are being subpoenaed. But let's not forget, Tario, the leader of a terrorist organization, the Proud Boys, okay? He was invited to the White House on a special tour to meet with leaders on December 12th of 2020. Last-minute invite to an undisclosed location. Wow, I'm in awe. My dogs are in awe right now of this. We're all angry about this. How could that be? I'm, I'm with you, dogs. I'm with you. I'm angry about this. Do we, do, do we? They're pissed, my dogs. Do we have the other? Do we have the other photo? Yeah, th this right here is where the. This is the residence right here. Never thought I'd be here. Hashtag Trump 2020 from the leader of a terrorist organization. Like, it'd be like Clinton inviting, inviting Timothy McVeigh to the White House mm -hmm. before the Oklahoma City. Like, it's not an exaggeration how disgusting that is. And of course, we then know at the Willard Hotel, leave it to the MAGAs just to desecrate a beautiful hotel in Washington, D.C. They turned it into the hub for the insurrection. And you had people there, the Trump's inner circle, who were communicating with Proud Boys, coordinating the insurrection. So these people have a, these Proud Boys, these terrorists, below people, these terrorists, have actually a real claim to subpoena Trump. He's a, like, like he is kind of someone who would be needed in their case, in a way, or, or, or could be admissible evidence. And the Department of Justice used the stand back and stand by in the opening statement, and what the Proud Boys are saying, if we're criminals, which you are, if we're terrorists, which you are, he's our co-conspirator. So he should be here too. And that's the basis of them subpoenaing Donald Trump. That hasn't really been widely Would reported. that be the most poetic justice moment of all time if the Proud Boys were the ones to take Trump down? And well, I think, you know, it's worth saying, I, I, I want to raise two points on this. The first, I'm going to go back to Meadows for a second. Because I think what folks also have to know about Mark Meadows and why he is so important, obviously, he was Trump's chief of staff. But Mark Meadows was at the center of all of these criminal investigations, all these federal criminal investigations. I mean, not only was Mark Meadows the hub of communication surrounding January 6th, we've all seen those text messages and you can rewatch the January 6th coverage or, or Google it if, if you haven't. But Mark Meadows was communicating with everybody around January 6th, on January 6th, people sending him panic messages, people like Ginny Thomas sending him messages, oh, God is with you at our great, glorious, 
fear leader, whatever the heck she was saying. Yeah. So not yeah. only was he at the center of that, but Meadows was also the designee by the National Archives to handle the return of the Trump documents. So he stands right in the center of the Venn diagram between the documents case and the January 6th case, which makes Meadows super important. Now, the Proud Boy. Do you have something to say about Meadows? Because I'm going to go on to the Proud Real Boy. Real quick, isn't it fascinating that we were talking about Meadows a bunch on the show on Monday and all of this news broke? I'm not saying anything. 